I want to pray more. I want to pray more vibrantly, more often, more joyfully, and I want to pray with more faith. Jesus' disciples come to him in Luke chapter 11 with a request. Lord, teach us to pray. And when they ask this, they're not saying, Jesus, just give us the right words to say. They're looking at Jesus' life and the vitality of his prayer life, and they're saying, Jesus, let us have what you have in prayer. Teach us to pray the way you pray to your Father in heaven. Jesus responds with these words, words that we pray every time we gather. These words are found on page 10 of our bulletin. Let's pray them now. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. As we continue opening up the Lord's Prayer in this series during Lent, this week we now come to the petition, give us this day our daily bread. And I'll be honest, I have more personal anxiety about this particular petition in this prayer than I have about any other petition in the prayer. I have more anxiety about my daily bread than I do about God's name being hallowed, about his kingdom coming, his will being done. I have more anxiety about my daily bread than I do about being guarded from temptation, forgiving others as I've been forgiven, and I have more anxiety about daily bread than I do about the reality of evil in this world. See, Luther described what daily bread really is. It's really all-encompassing. Luther said daily bread means everything we need for our bodily well-being. Food, drink, clothes, shoes, house, home, land, Animals, money and goods, a godly husband or wife, devout children, good workers, honest and faithful leaders, good government, good weather, peace, health, law and order, an honorable name, faithful friends, trustworthy neighbors, and things like that. See, as I read that list of what daily bread is, my anxiety level goes up more and more. It reminds me when I think of this kind of anxiety of those church sign failures, right? When church signs really accidentally get it wrong, like this one, don't let worries kill you, let the church help. <laughs> or, listen carefully, the sign, remember in prayer the many who are sick of our church. <laughs> Try this if you miss just one letter on the sign. Miss one letter. Jesus says, behold, I am making all things ew. Think about it. 
And my favorite of all, do you know what hell is like? Come and listen to our preacher. I'm anxious about my daily bread. What's amazing is there's no greater story about anxiety in the Bible, I think, than the Exodus. When Israel's coming out of Egypt, being released and freed by God, and now to live in the wilderness, completely dependent upon God. The the practical question that Israel immediately asks God is how are we going to eat? Where are we going to get our daily bread? In Exodus chapter 16, in verses 3 and 4, they've just come out of Egypt. They've just come out of bondage. And this is what they say to Moses. Verse 3, the people of Israel said to Moses and Aaron, would that we had died in in, in Egypt by the hand of the Lord when we sat by the meat pots and ate bread to the full, for you have brought us out into this wilderness to kill this whole assembly with hunger. Verse four, the Lord said to Moses, behold, I'm about to rain bread from heaven for you and the people shall go out and gather a day's portion every day and I, that I may test them whether they will walk in my law or not. See, when Jesus says, when he's teaching us to pray, give us this day our daily bread, he's thinking of this story of the manna in the wilderness. He's thinking of that daily provision required at the hand of God. And so, so to unpack this, we're looking at our first reading this morning from Deuteronomy chapter 8. You can turn with me. It's in your pew Bibles on 152 or in your own Bibles. In this text, looking at just a few verses in Deuteronomy chapter 10, we unpack this petition, give us this day our daily bread, but we also have the opportunity to answer the question that's on the front of your bulletin. Does God only answer some prayers for bread? What do we do with this petition and the question of poverty in our world? Well, Praying, give us this day our daily bread. We'll see from Deuteronomy 8. Praying, give us this day our daily bread. will direct our cares. It will give us a place to take our anxieties, to direct our cares and concerns. But not only praying, give us this day our daily bread, directs our cares. It also will define our cares. It will redefine what we care about. It will redefine what we're praying for. But not only will it direct our cares and define what we care about, but finally, as we pray these words, give us this day our daily bread, it will demand our care. It will demand that we begin to care. So praying, give us this day our daily bread, directs our cares. It gives us a place to place our anxieties, to place our cares. Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 3. And he humbled you, Moses said, and let you hunger and fed you with manna, which you did not know, nor did your fathers know, that he might make you know that man does not live by bread alone, 
but man lives by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. He humbled you and let you hunger and fed you. Do you hear that order, that sequence? He humbled you, he let you get hungry, and then he fed you to meet that hunger. In other words, this process of being fed in the wilderness was about training Israel to depend on the Lord. To depend on God. It's interesting, in Exodus chapter 12, we get a description of the number that came out of Egypt in the Exodus. It says 600,000, about 600,000 men came out of Egypt. And, and if you count then the women and the children, you're looking possibly at a number like 2 million people coming out. Now, modern day scholars and archaeologists have really struggled with this and said, come on, there's no way it could have been this big a number. That must be huge exaggeration in scripture. And, and here's the reason. How could they possibly had, have been provided for in the wilderness if there was 2 million of them? Now, what better way, I say, to train the dependence of a nation on God than putting two million people in the desert for 40 years. That's the whole point. It's supposed to be impossible. It's supposed to be ridiculous. Because God was the only one that was going to let them live through this. If you're going to live, Israel, it's going to be because of God's direct, immediate provision for your bread. See, Moses is speaking here in Deuteronomy 8 at the end of the 40 years. They've actually lived through 40 years of manna, provision daily from God. And he's saying to Israel, we have learned where to direct our cares. We've learned through these 40 years of his provision where to direct our anxieties and our concerns. The Lord will provide. The problem is that modern people today, we have a terrible difficulty with the idea of being dependent upon anyone, let alone God. We don't want to be dependent upon God. Dr. Craig Gay who is one of my professors at Regent, who will be speaking here in November about technology and the gospel. He writes these words. He says, contemporary society and culture so emphasizes human potential and human agency and the immediate practical demands of the here and now that we are, for the most part, tempted to go on about our daily business in this world without giving much thought to God. Indeed, we are tempted to live as though God did not exist, or at least as if his existence did not practically matter. This is, he says, the temptation to practical atheism. That we can say we're believers, but everything about us is I'm taking care of my own needs, my own concerns, my own anxieties. I'm a practical atheist. And our anxiety increases as we continue to seek to provide only for ourselves. Our anxiety increases as we begin to believe the lie that I am all sufficient. As long as I put enough work into it, enough effort into it, then I will be able to provide for myself. Our anxiety will go up and up because we are taking on a task that is not ours to take. Anxiety is rising in the U.S., a study came out this year that said 19%, 19% of the 
a fifth of a population of U.S. adults have experienced a significant anxiety disorder in the past year. And then 31%, almost a third of the population, will experience a significant anxiety disorder within their lifetime. The American Psychiatric Association wrote this, almost 40% of Americans are more anxious now than they were this time last year. Anxiety grows. Now let's just take a moment that I may be very clear. When I speak about anxiety and our cares and our concerns, I'm speaking in a general sense. There is such a thing as clinical anxiety. There is such a thing as a place we can go where simply reading enough Bible and praying hard enough is not on its own going to provide for us. We need the care of doctors. We need the care of professionals. We need the care of medicine. Just a word from your rector. The number of people in this room alone who have been in that place and have gotten godly care from those who are given to us to care is amazing. Hear this word. Now again, this word though speaks to even those in a desperately anxious place. But just understand, it is thoroughly Christian to seek for medical help. But this anxiety, we need to recognize, does emerge and grows and needs to be beaten down with Scripture. That we need to recognize that as Jesus teaches us to pray, give us bread. Give us bread. We need bread. I'm dependent on you, O Lord. I don't have what I need. That we're learning dependency. We're learning to direct our cares, to direct our concerns. I love the story of the hymn writer Joseph Scriven. Joseph Scriven, here's what I love about some of the biographies behind the hymns, because sometimes when you listen to certain hymns, you can think, oh, the person who wrote this has such trite things to say about the good life before Jesus that maybe they don't really understand how difficult life can be. You know, sometimes we sing hymns and we think, did these hymn writers really experience pain and suffering? Well, Joseph Scriven really did. This is a man... I like him because he emigrated to Canada from England. But here's a man who two times in his life, in 1840 and in 1842 and 1860, in two different moments in his life, he lost a fiancé just before their marriage. Not once, twice. This man knew what real despair and hurt and sorrow, and depression was. He really understood what anxiety and brokenness is. And he's the one that writes, what a friend we have in Jesus. All our sins and griefs to bear. What a privilege to carry everything to God in prayer. No trite words in this when he says, oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pain we bear. All because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. Pray and give us this day our daily bread. Directs our cares. We are dependent people. We need God. And this prayer teaches us our need. But not only does it direct our cares, praying, give us this day our daily bread, 
defines our cares. It will redefine our cares. What we really care about, what we're really praying for. Again, Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 2 now. Moses says, and you shall remember the whole way that the Lord your God has led you these 40 years in the wilderness, that he might humble you, testing you to know what was in your heart, whether you would keep his commandments or not. That phrase, remember the whole way the Lord led you these 40 years. What was the way the Lord led them those 40 years? The way was this, daily provision. Daily provision. See, Exodus 16, again, describes exactly what this daily nature of the provision was. In Exodus 16, beginning verse 13, we read this, that in the morning dew lay around the camp. And when the dew had gone up, there was on the face of the wilderness a fine flake-like thing, fine as frost on the ground. When the people of Israel saw it, they said to one another, Mancha. That's what they said, Mancha. Manna means what is it? What is it? For they did not know what it was. That's why they gave it the name manna. What is this thing? And Moses said, it is the bread. This is the bread that the Lord has given you to eat. This is what the Lord has commanded. Gather of it, each of you, as much as he can take. You shall take an omer according to the number of persons that each of you has in his tent. And the people of Israel did so. They gathered some more, some less. But when they measured it with an omer, whoever gathered much had nothing left over, and whoever gathered little had no lack. Each of them gathered as much as he could eat. And Moses said to them, let no one leave any over until the morning. But they did not listen to Moses. Some left part of it till the morning, and it bred worms and stank. And Moses was angry with them. Morning by morning, they gathered it, each as much as he could eat. And when the sun grew hot, it melted. See, the way that God provided manna for Israel, the way that he led them for these 40 years was in providing for them each and every morning their daily bread. This is what Jesus is thinking of when he says, give us this day our daily bread. They were to take only one day's portion. And the day before the Sabbath, they could take two days' portion. And it would supernaturally last for them. The point is God provided for them daily. And we need to understand that as we pray for daily bread, that is exactly what we're asking for. Provision, O oh Lord, for the day before me. If I pray these words in the morning, I'm praying for the day ahead. If I pray these words in the evening, I'm praying through the night into the next day. O oh Lord... In the next 24 hours, I need you to provide. All that I truly need in the next 24 hours. And as we pray like this, if we understand what Jesus means by daily bread, those next 24 hours of provision, we begin to understand how this will define our cares. As John Calvin says, we are bidden to ask only as much as is sufficient for our need from day to day, with this assurance that as our Heavenly Father nourishes us today, He will not fail us tomorrow. See, in the ancient Near East, you gotta think of it, right? There's no fridges, 
Very few people own storehouses, and even if they do, they can get broken into by thieves. There's no sense of an ability to hang on to so much stuff. You have to rely daily on your crops, daily on the market in Jesus' day, and in the day of the Exodus, daily on that flaky manna on the ground. See, the problem is in our world, our temptation, my temptation is to pray, oh Lord, give me today a lifetime of bread so I don't need to keep praying about it. Give me everything I need for the rest of my life, above and beyond, so I don't need to keep praying about it. We need to have our cares defined, redefined by this prayer. Uh, CBS in 1982 had this series on ordinary Americans. And, and one of the ones that shone out was Agatha, this, this 80-year-old widow in Buffalo, South Carolina. Agatha would, at 80 years of age, cook all day, all morning, all day, and then open her home and her kitchen so the community could come in. Meals on wheels would take some of the food she made. Others would come in and eat at her table. This enormous amount of food she would prepare all day, serve, welcome, and then clean up. And when she was being interviewed, she said, I'm not out to make any money. I don't have any money, and I'm not making money on this. And the interviewer asked, then why are you doing it? And she said, because I love it. These people coming in every day, they mean so much to me. I just fall in love with the people. I've always wanted to be the person who lives by the side of the road and is a friend to every man. I've always wanted that. I've never wanted a big, fine home. I'm just satisfied like I am. I, I know you probably have a big, fine home, she said to the interviewer. I don't want your big, fine home. I'm glad you got it. And I can enjoy and just be happy that you have it. But me, I'm fine. I got what I want. I always get everything I want. But I know what to want. I know what to want. This is a woman who's had her life defined her wants defined by praying, give us this day our daily bread. But see, praying this prayer, not only will it direct our cares, and not only will it define our cares and redefine our cares, but praying, give us this day our daily bread, will demand our care. See, there's a, there's a, there's a transition that's happening here in Deuteronomy. See, Deuteronomy, beginning of verse 5, we start to understand what God has been doing over these 40 years with Israel. Moses says these words. He says, Know then in your heart that as a man disciplines his son, the Lord your God disciplines you. So you shall keep the commandments of the Lord your God by walking in his ways and by fearing him. For the Lord your God is bringing you into a good land. A land of brooks and water, of fountains and springs flowing out in the valleys and hills. A land of wheat and barley, of vines and fig trees and pomegranates. A land of olive trees and honey. A land in which you will eat bread without scarcity. In which you will lack nothing. A land whose stones are iron and out of hill, whose hills you can dig copper. See what God has been doing over these 40 years with Israel, feeding them every day, daily provision, is he's been training them for the moment when they have much. See, learning 
that they are dependent upon God, learning that they are to understand again what daily bread is, daily portion, to have their needs and their cares defined, has prepared them for the day that they come into the promised land and they have so much it overflows. And then they will be trained and ready to be the people that God has called them to be, to understand what to do with that much that they have because they've learned what daily bread is. The question is, how does a person with so much pray for daily bread? Well, first, on the one hand, praying for daily bread for those of us who have much reminds us that rich or poor, our daily dependence does not change, right? Because the daily bread we're praying for is not just physical bread. It's everything else, as Luther says, right? We all have a daily dependence upon God. That's why we all pray daily bread. But also, for those who have so much, the reason and the way that we pray give us this day our daily bread begins to address the question, does God only answer some prayers for bread? See, as we who have so much learn to pray this prayer, something changes. See, Jesus alludes to this in 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 an interesting way in, in, in our passage from Matthew 6, verse 25, 26, he says, Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat and what you will drink, about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you of not more value than birds? It's an amazing word. Don't worry. Don't be anxious, Jesus says, because your father provides for the birds. He'll provide for you. Now, the question, though, is, that's great, Jesus, but how do I speak that into a community or a context of absolute abject poverty where they do not, in fact, have daily bread? How can Jesus say these words that your heavenly father will provide for them as he provides for the birds of the field when there is such poverty in this world? And the late, great John Stott, I think, nails it when he talks about this passage, saying these words. He says, it does not seem to me that there is a simple solution to this problem. But one important point should be made, mainly that the most basic cause of hunger is not an inadequate divine provision, but an inequitable human distribution. The truth is that God has provided ample resources in earth and sea, but men hoard or spoil or waste these resources and do not share them out. It seems significant in the same gospel of Matthew that Jesus here, who says that our heavenly father feeds and clothes his children, later says that we ourselves in Matthew 25 must feed the hungry, clothe the naked, and we will be judged Accordingly. See, Jesus teaches us to pray, give us this day our daily bread. Do you hear that word? Do you hear the pronouns? Oh, how we misunderstand them. Us. I'm not praying this prayer just for me. I'm praying this prayer on behalf of the community, on behalf of the world. Give us. This day, our daily bread. This prayer is not just about my needs. This is the prayer for the needs around us. As my wife Monica often says of our children when they're fighting over who thinks they got more than the other one. 
She says, the only reason to look in your neighbor's bowl is to make sure they have enough. This petition is not a one-way request. This petition is a two-way conversation. Praying like this demands us to listen to how God responds. Give us this day our daily bread. What might the Father say to you and me about the daily bread needs around us? In Rwanda, this project that by God's grace with what has come in already and what has been promised, those who have pledged amounts coming in, we've effectively met our goal for our preschool project in Rwanda. Praise God. For this year. And anything addition that comes in will still go into Rwanda. But here's, here's my point. As we are now positioned to build this preschool for 150 preschool stu students in Rwanda, in some of the poorest regions of that country, as we build that, it's a Christian school. Christian curriculum. These children, these 150 children in the preschool that we are able, by God's grace, to build will learn the Lord's Prayer. What will it mean for them to pray, give us this day our daily bread? What will it mean for us, knowing them, to pray, give us this day our daily bread? What does it mean to have the privilege, by God's grace, to be part of the answer to their prayer? When they pray for bread, that we, by God's grace, are part of the answer. I want to pray more. More vibrantly, more often, more joyfully, and with more faith. Praying, give us this day our daily bread, will direct our cares. It will define our cares, what is daily bread. And it will demand our care as we pray these words. I have anxiety connected with this petition more than any other petition in this prayer. And I think that's why God made me an Anglican, why he gave me sacramental worship, and he gave it to you. Because you think of those words from 1 Peter chapter 5, you know, humble yourselves before God, cast all your anxieties on him, and he will provide because he cares for you. We hear those words, and then every time we gather, we gather around the rail and as bread is placed in our hands, we are told the certainty of God's provision, the body of Christ given for you. Lord, teach us to pray. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.